got talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. About the Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. It's week three. Ohio State will play Western Kentucky on Saturday at 4 p.m. on Fox. And I don't know if you guys feel this way, but I feel like we can actually have a legitimate, thorough pregame preview pod this week on football in a way that just wasn't available the first two weeks. Just because Youngstown State, I mean, that's a in the world of Ohio State, play six to seven games a year where they can just pick their score. That's the ultimate level of pick their score, even if there's issues. While Indiana just had 45 million transfers, and so it's just there's just so much new that you weren't really sure what you were getting. Western Kentucky, a lot's coming back, and they're very established in what they do. I don't know. Do you guys feel like it's a little bit – we kind of know what these two teams are coming in the Saturday, even if we know that they both have some flaws. I think, yeah. I, I think we know what, what this is. Uh, I think the one question that I have is this is a prolific offense that Western Kentucky runs. Um, but it is prolific at its level. It is not necessarily a team that I expect to come in and be able to just dust Ohio State and race it up and down the field. And I think, as I alluded to this on the Thursday pod, I brought up the name Tulsa because I remember the 2021 Tulsa game when C.J. Stroud had a bum wing and that team was able to move the ball on Ohio State. But this offense, this defense is better. I think we can definitely say that. Last year's defense was better than 2021, and I think this defense is better than last year, and I think this might be the best glimpse we get of that because this offense will challenge Ohio State in some interesting ways, and I th- think that this team, personnel-wise and approach-wise, both scheme-wise, however you want to say it, is up to that challenge. So as I was trying to pick a score this week, we'll get to that later, the, the toughest part was picking how many points I think Western Kentucky will score because it's 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 how much I respect, for lack of a better term, what they do and how much, how good I think this Ohio State defense is trending towards being. Yeah, a problem trying to figure out production versus points. I almost used the 2022 Indiana game as a gauge. They, they don't that, that team didn't throw it around nearly as much as Western Kentucky is going to do on Saturday. But Indiana was almost going fast and playing this up-tempo offense for – zero reason because it wasn't producing points and I'm wondering how much of that plays into this scenario where Western Kentucky plays a style of football Andrew that at, as Nathan said at their level it puts up points I mean they've scored 40 plus points in, in multiple games but I don't know if that translates when you move up to a power five level especially when you're dealing with the one percenters in the fire power five who are competing for national championships I kind of look at this game as a little bit like the uh, the small little fast kid is about to punch the bully in the mouth and what's about to happen what what do you do when you do that you get your best shot in you hope it stings and you run. <laughs> I think that that's what they're going to try to do. I think you go out there, you come in firing early, and then you just hope it works out at the end. I, I, I think that, you know, this is kind of one of those things where, yeah, you, you know, we, we mentioned that, okay, they're going to try and do this and they're going to try and spread them out and all these kind of other things. And, you know, those things are true. When you say this about a Western Kentucky team, I think we can know what they are while also kind of understanding that they're going to try some new things. I would bet this week because again, like Western Kentucky is not like Western Kentucky wants to win their conference. They want to cut like they have their own goals for this season. And just like Ohio state might be holding some stuff back for conference play. And maybe you try and send out a couple new wrinkles that Notre Dame now has to prepare for or that, you know, Maryland has to prepare for in a couple of weeks. Western Kentucky's doing the same thing. Western Kentucky's thinking the same thing. You know, the, this is when they would show some stuff that, you know, other teams haven't seen. And this is when, you know, you start to mess with trying, you know, trying to mess with the other teams on, on your schedule. So I, I think Western Kentucky is going to come out and they're going to try some things. I think they're going to have a modicum of success, especially like if this game gets out of hand a little bit. You know, like if Ohio State's up by a couple of touchdowns in the third, fourth quarter, and you start to see a little bit more rotation. I mean, first time coming in for some of these guys, maybe, or, you know, very limited reps. I I wouldn't be surprised to see Western Kentucky kind of score in those situations. So I I think they're going to try some stuff. I'm really excited to see how how this defense responds. Um, You know, I think we are starting to reach that point of the season where the excuse or the however you want to phrase it of from coaches and players of, oh, they threw a lot of things at us that we weren't ready for. That's kind of going away. 
So I, I'm I'm really curious to see what they do. I, I do think that they're going to be able to move the ball a little bit. Not saying that they're going to run up and down the field on them, but I do think that they're going to have some uh, some level of success at, uh, at Ohio Stadium. So Western Kentucky, they've been one of the better teams in the Conference USA for the last couple of years. Their fifth year under Tyson Hel- Hellman. They've got Helton, excuse me. They've gone nine and five the last two years. They were seven and one in the Conference USA in 2021, and they've done that on the backs of their passing attack. Bailey Zappi in 2021 basically reset the passing record books in the country with you know almost 6,000 yards and 62 touchdowns that year. And then he went off to the NFL and challenged Mac Jones for the job in, in New England. While Austin Reed has replaced him last year, last year Austin Reed had four, four he didn't necessarily break. Set, rewrite the record books the way that Bailey Zappi did, but he was up there with the numbers. 4,700 p- passing yards and 40 touchdowns that led the nation with passing yards, and he was behind Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud in passing touchdowns. And now he's back for year two, Nathan. Ryan Day got asked during this lightning round, I think he talked about it on the radio show too, about him being an NFL-level quarterback. Day, what else did they have to say about him? And also, what have just been your impressions on Ryan Austin Reed as you were preparing for this pod? Yeah, it was interesting to hear him describe that way because the offense that they run is certainly not an NFL offense. But no. his point being that he is a guy who just has some, some of the requisite skills, quick release, can get out and run on his own a little bit. And then I thought what was interesting was um, his respect for – how Reed attacks defenses, that he comes into a game with a concept of how to attack a defense and, and follows through on that. So again, that's what I think is, is the interesting wrinkle here for Ohio State because they've played two opponents in a row who have not done that. And as much uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth as there has been this week about the pass rush, which I have, I'm on the record as saying was a little bit overblown, the big question about this defense the Achilles heel of this defense last year was giving up stuff on the back end, was not being aware enough all the times, was not being fundamental enough, was not being disciplined enough all the times. And some of it was the way that Jim Knowles called things and took some chances that backfired, but some of it was guys just getting dusted. And that's what this offense is going to challenge Ohio State to not give up, to keep teams in front of them. This, as I mentioned the other day, this offense has scored uh, last year, and it's a lot of the same major components back. Two teams in the nation tied for the lead in number of plays 20 yards or more. It was Georgia and it was Western Kentucky. Now, again, all that is the caveat that Western Kentucky did that mostly against teams of a of its own level, you know, Conference USA and that that mid-major tier. When they played uh, Indiana, they, they lost in overtime against Indiana last year, and then they got thumped by Auburn later in the season. It was like 41 to 17. Auburn mm-hmm. was not that good last year. So that gives you some indication of, of what happens when, when they play a bad Big Ten team and a bad SEC team or a mediocre SEC team, whatever Auburn was last year. But I do think that there is enough here. It's a combination of Reed having some talent and then on top of that, the way that they play. It's just a it's a the whole point of this offense is to stretch you out and to get you flat footed and make you make mistakes and take advantage of them in, in a quick kind of before you can react kind of way. And so what does does Ohio State's defense play with the, you know, you, you can scheme up a whole bunch of fancy things, but really it's just are you playing with the discipline that keeps this offense in front of you at all times? Make them work for whatever they get. And I think the, the thing is, it's not just him. He's the, he, it run, he's the engine of things, but he's got some talent at wide receiver. Last year, that's four guys at least 600 receiving yards, and leading that was Malachi Corley, who I, I wrote this earlier this week. He's the Jackson Smith the Jigba to Austin Reed, C.J. Stroud. At that level, the relationship there. He had 101 catches. You know, he was one of four players in the country with at least 100 catches, and I think he's one of the, he's like the eighth thousand yard receiver they've had in program history. He didn't play last week. He got he had bruised ribs. He came out and said that after week one, but he should he is expected to play this week. And to get into some of this secondary stuff, Andrew, it starts with him. And slowing him down wherever they have him, whether it's in the slot or outside. We're talking Denzel Berg, Davis, Igbenosin, and maybe we see more of Jordan Hancock in that slot situation because he's not just the only one. They've got a few other guys as well. But Mal- starting with Austin Reed and Malachi Corley, that connection was magic a year ago. And you would expect that if he's back healthy and this isn't you know, fully the C.J. Child, Jackson Smith, the Jigba experience where they get it for a week and then don't get it again for the rest of the season, that – that's something that Ohio State has to figure out a way to slow down because if they're going to move the ball, it's going to start with him. 
Yeah, and one of the things to, to kind of add on to that, you mentioned the receivers that they have. Um, you know, Ryan Day mentioned on his radio show that, you know, they could see more dime looks this week to try and counteract what Western Kentucky wants to do and, you know, them going four and five wide. So I, I'm curious to see kind of what what the defense looks like in that respect. I mean, I, I think somebody floated this before. Do you put Styles in the middle of the field and is he kind of you know, playing a little bit down and then you are you able to put some more defensive backs in the field. How, how do you, how do you play that? Like, like, what does that look like, you know, with Burke, with Igmanos and with Hancock, like who's next, where do guys align? What do you do with styles? What do you do with the linebackers? What do you do? Like there, there's a couple different things that I want to see there. So yeah, I, I mean, it's a big challenge for, for them. I think just in terms of seeing a different look, right? Like, you know, this is in some ways the first game of the year for the secondary um, or like the first real game of the year for the secondary. Um, So I am curious to see kind of how they respond to that and not just like the talent level like you were talking about with the with Western Kentucky's receivers, because they do spread the ball around a little bit. You know, if you kind of look at their stats that they, you know, they do kind of spread this around. They do make sure that, you know, everybody gets fed, everybody gets open. So. I'm curious to see what this looks like. You know, I asked Jordan Hancock yesterday where I was like, look, you know, this is a team that tries to lull you to sleep a little bit with, you know, quick hitters. They'll run quick slants. They'll run a bubble screen. You know, they'll run a quick out. They'll run bang, 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 bang. And then it's just four, 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 four. And then boom, they'll try to hit you over the top. So uh, you've got to, you got to stay really disciplined against a team like this. You've got to try and stay with your keys. You've got to, you've got to keep your eyes in the right place. That was something that Jordan was talking about a lot, you know, especially for him and what he's trying to grow on. So yeah, I, I'm curious to see kind of how the Western Kentucky's receivers handle the shoe and kind of everything that comes with that. But then also what does Ohio state do and what kind of personnel things do they throw out when Western Kentucky decides to go four or five wide? How does OSU counteract that? Nathan, how much Sonny Styles should we expect to see in this game? And not because he's not good. He's, he's been one of the better defensive players I've had this year. But he's played 80 snaps this year, and only 28 of them have been coverage snaps. And we've seen what they're, they've done on those third and long situations, whether it was Cameron Martinez or it was more Jordan Hancock in week two. They take Sonny Styles off of the field. And if Ryan Day's talking about more dime opportunities, is it Cameron Martinez and Jordan Hancock or basically your inside guys? Or is this a week where maybe you can get a bigger picture of – where his development is, Sonny Styles, I'm talking about from a coverage standpoint, because from a run defense standpoint, I think he's been excellent. I think it makes all the sense in the world to leave him on the field. And what it, this is why the Sonny Styles thing mm-hmm. was supposed to be so crucial, the development of someone like this. Because you can call a dime and you can start counting off the number of, of defensive backs. But what if he just stays out there and does what a middle linebacker would do in a dime mm-hmm. look? And you've actually got seven linebackers on or seven defensive backs on the field. I mean, that to me is the compelling thing. And is he at that place yet? I don't know, but I would think so. I think, I mean, isn't he, if you're, if you're matching skill for skill and who could maybe help you better there, does, does he have the coverage advantage over someone like Tommy Eichenberg or steel chambers at this stage that you would put him out there instead of leaving a linebacker out there? We will find out on Saturday where that is. And there may not be another team that, this might be the only chance to get a look at it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, so you're saying like, this is tell us about his development. Like, well, I don't know. We may not ever get that reciprocal chance to see where his development is later. Cause I don't know who in the big 10 is going to make them play a dime look. I mean, I guess, I don't know what, I don't know what Purdue's doing offensively this year. They've obviously had mm-hmm. some, some wide, some wide out attacks, some, some spread out attacks in the past. They're usually not putting four or five on the field at once though. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's the, the wrinkle here. It's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a matchup situation when Western Kentucky is going to that sort of look, what makes the most sense for Ohio state? I think me, I was paid $0 to coordinate this team, not $2 million to, to coordinate this defense. So uh, they don't value my opinion much here, but I, I want to see what that looks like. If I'm them, I want to see if I, if you put, if you put Sonny styles in the middle, you call him a linebacker, call him whatever. He's really just call him Sonny then now you're putting these other DBs on the field to do traditional DB things in a dime look. And and now what have you got? I think that's really interesting to me. So we'll see if they do it. Jim Knowles was asked specifically about that on Tuesday and basically said kind of that continued theme of, we know he's good. What you're saying makes sense. 
we don't want to push him too far. We don't want to give him more than he's actually ready to do, even though we believe someday he will be ready to do it. I know that we get worried sometimes when we hear them talk like that, but I think there's enough evidence from the fact that he's here and playing as much as he is to begin with at his age, to Malik Hartford, to guys last season, that there's enough evidence here that they will put young dudes on the field that I, I don't think it's a hesitance just based on age. I think it is based on the best skill set when you have so many other guys to pick from. I have a quick follow-up question that is not related to football. You mentioned you were not paid $2 million to coordinate Ohio State's defense. Is there a job that you wouldn't do for $2 million? I was thinking about that as you were talking. Because I don't know how many jobs in this world I'm not doing for $2 million. I would do anything that doesn't. Um, have to sacrifice my morals. That's fair. Or my life. My morals or my I mean, life. Yeah, you know, because then you don't get actually paid like the two million life, I'm like willing. I'm willing to bend I'm, the rules a little bit. I'm more concerned about my life than my morals at this stage. <laughs> only because. Fuck I talk. Only because I have a. I have to support this kid now. So, um, what job? Yeah, that kid's going to Harvard and Princeton. Yeah, you can afford you, anything. Uh, you know, uh, there's. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what job I wouldn't do for $2 million because that's a, that's a lot of scratch. And if you, you, you could do it for one year and set yourself up pretty well You're chilling. You don't have to do any yeah. jobs for yeah. a while. Do it for half a year. You got a million bucks. How long exactly. do you draw that out? Um, I think, and especially I think again, funny, I, I can think about this differently at 45 than you guys can think about it at 13 or however old you are. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm closer to being, I'm closer to shutdown. I'm closer to operation shutdown where I can just, um, sit back and just live off of whatever I'm getting out of the bank out of that, that too large that I made that one year as a, um, you know, uh, senior citizen seminator or whatever. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. I, we should report yeah. back on that. You, I think were, you, should, I, you were saying I think that you, and I was just like, man, it'd be great to be paid $2 million to coordinate a defense. I mean, people are going to be mad at you no matter what, unless you like post, you know, 14 straight shutouts or something like that. But like, I was like, I wonder what I would do for like, there's not, there's not a lot that's off the table for $2 million. So if anybody's listening to this that wants to pay me $2 million to do a job, I'll do it. Whatever, whatever, just let me know. How are you, how are you with like heights? Like, would you be one of the people that's going to like climb a tower, like a cell tower and change light bulb on top or whatever? Okay. Well, here's the thing. Heights terrify me. I get jelly legs. I get queasy. I get dizzy. It's terror. I don't do roller coasters. I don't do any of that. I don't um, want to so let me ask you this. on a plane then, because I'm already not. I'm afraid of heights, and so I don't need a to be next I'm to somebody else. On a plane, I'm fine. On a plane, I'm fine. The question that I would have is like, I'm bo- I'm not going to die, right? No, no, you are going to die someday. Sorry. Well, <laughs> event, yeah, eventually I'm going to die. Uh, but I, my, the the question that I have is like, is if you can tell me that there is like no more risk of death than me like driving to the Woody on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, then yeah, for $2 million, I'll do that. $2 million. Yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely do that. The problem is we have like the lowest risk of death profession. Like we sit in the press box and watch football or we sit here and talk about football. Like there's very little, we're not really risking life and limb or anything at all in this profession on a day-to-day basis. watching people risk life and yeah, limb. Yeah. And then yes. talk about those yes. people risking life and limb. That's Which actually do. makes it all even worse. So <laughs> yeah, anything you're doing for $2 million is probably going to risk your health more than what you have. Yeah. You're going to have to trade some risk for that scratch. Agreed. That was amazing. I was thinking, what if we asked Marvin Harrison that question? He probably has a long list of things he wouldn't do for $2 million. Come back to Ohio State for another year. <laughs> I mean, well, that's not happening. Well, that's only because you'd be turning down even more exactly. millions of dollars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Marvin Harrison gets two million just for being Marvin Harrison Jr. Like, that's currently, it's yeah. like you don't have to do a job. Yeah, the job is just is just waking Live. up and and putting in work at your other job, and they'll give you two million for that. It's not a that's bad true. deal, man. That's true. Shout out to Marvin Harrison. While we were talking about Sonny and you were talking about him being the linebacker that stays out there, we have Sam linebacker, we have Mike linebackers, and we have Will linebackers. I think if they do that, we should call it the Alex linebacker. Because that's Sonny's real name. His name's not actually Sonny. His name is Alex. I like that. This is the only week they'll probably use it, but you guys like that? Alex linebacker? I think that's a question for Jim Knowles. Do you like that, Jim? It just 
I mean, he called like, that's the, the first thing he should ask and bandit. So I think it's in yeah. the same tree as those types of nicknames there. That conversation with so far left. <laughs> I just don't know. Um, we, we were talking football, and then we started talking about two minutes. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to flip My sides bad. of the ball. No, it's fine. It's Buckeye talk. That's what we do here. <laughs> we, we go off the rails sometimes. We'll take a break there, and when we come back, we'll flip it, and we'll talk about Western Kentucky's defense, or lack thereof defense, and who that's a good mm-hmm. sign for when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Western Kentucky can score points. So can everybody they play. I went and looked up the last couple of Power 5 teams they played to see what they do in those games. Against Auburn, they gave up 33. Against Indiana, they gave up 33. Against Louisville twice in the last five years, they've given up 35 and 38 points. And I would not classify any of those offenses as high-powered or having the artillery that Ohio State has. They are not very good at stopping the pass, but also – they gave up almost 400 rushing yards last week. So, Nathan, who is this a better sign for, and what can we see click on Saturday? Ohio State's passing offense or the run game? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I mean, so Western Kentucky allows almost 5.8 yards per play yep. against South Florida and Houston Christian, which earlier this week I called Houston Baptist because at least I'd heard of Houston Baptist before. I'd never heard of Houston Christian, and now I have. Um, and it doesn't make me think that much more of Western Kentucky. I think it's probably better for this running game. South Florida, I think, ran for something like 200 yards. 374 oh, yards. Never mind. 374 yards. And, and listen, the thing about this Western Kentucky offense is it can be what it needs to be that week a little bit. Like, I thought they ran the ball pretty well in the clips I watched against Houston Christian last week. Again, FCS opponent. And, you know, it's all about those RPOs. It's all about starting the play, drawing things out, and then making the decision as what the best way to attack is on, on any given snap. So I think f- from that perspective, they're going to have a chance. Ohio State's got to be ready for both on defense. But I think this this running game is going to thrive, I think, for two reasons. Number one, it's just Western Kentucky is bad at stopping the run. Number two, um, Ohio State wants to come out and prove something as far as running the ball. I don't think it has nearly as much to prove passing the ball it's protected okay I think you know it's given up two sacks this year but both were by Devin Brown at least one of those you would definitely say was a bad quarterback decision that directly led to that sack and they need to they have something to prove in the run game they have to prove some consistency they have to prove what Justin Fry was talking about last night which is you know seeing those five guys kind of all move in unison and move the earth together and really open things up that they're not seeing enough of that and that's something that this this team should be capable of at least against this level of opponent so i'm expecting a pretty big running performance they also gave up 95 plays to south florida and houston christian ran 63 play 95 plays in a in a world where there's a running clock and new play clock rules ryan days andrew is not going to be able to complain about plays this week just i mean if you're giving that up to south florida ohio state should probably be in the 70 range this week yeah, I, I said this in the prediction that I, you know, in the in the written prediction which we have for the uh, for the site, I said this in line like it's something in line, in in that like Ryan Day's not going to be able to complain about plays this week because there there's no reason to be um you know I I think they're going to try and establish the ground game a little bit you know he mentioned that on his radio show that you know that's something that they really want to get going and I think they kind of view getting the run game going as a little bit kind of maybe a segue to the passing attack. Like if you can kind of get the run game going, might take some things off the plate of your young quarterback, you're an experienced quarterback, you get the run game going, like kind of that more traditional sense. I mean, I think frankly, you pass to set up the run in today's football, um, you know, at across a lot of levels. But I, I think Ohio State's kind of looking at it kind of in the more traditional sense where like, look, if we can get, you know, five yards of carry, I know Brian Day said four yards of carry was the goal, but you know, if you can get five-ish, six-ish yards of carry from Trevion Henderson and and kind of supplement from there and really get the ground game going, um, I, I think that they're going to really try and establish that because, you know, you, you're going to get into a game next week against Notre Dame where Notre Dame is going to run the ball a lot on you and you should be able to rely on your passing attack. But again, Stephen and I might disagree on this a little bit, there is going to come a time and there is going to come a point where you're just going to have to say, get low, fire off, hat on a hat, 
put your man in the dirt and run the ball. Hashtag RTDB. You're going to have to do that eventually. And I think that kind of Ohio State recognizes this. So I think this is a week where you really try and establish the run game because you know you're going to have those extra possessions. You know that this is a little bit different than playing a Youngstown State or an Indiana because, you know, if Indiana or Youngstown State or, you know, let's say Western Kentucky was really effective running the ball, they go on a six and a half, seven minute touchdown drive and Ohio State counters with the exact same thing at the first quarter. Okay, they could both score touchdowns and it's seven, seven. Like you're going to get more possessions this game. So I think you really try and establish the run game this week because you know that you're going to have an extra amount of plays. And like, if you want to say, you know, we're going to have an extra 20-ish plays than we did last week against Youngstown State, then you can just all allocate those to run plays, and you're still going to have the same amount of pass attempts you had, which was over 30. So I think you can kind of do a little bit of both, and um, I I think this is kind of the week where you establish the ground game. Andrew lives by RTDB. Steven lives by PTDB, because... That always works when you're Ohio State, as long as they execute. It does. I do think they're as well, they're probably going to establish the run game, which is very polar opposite than all of us and how we talked about our outrageous predictions being how Kyle McCord was going to throw the ball all over the yard, which still might happen. But when establishing the run, right now they've got a three-man running back rotation with the way this is going. In week one, Travion Henderson led the way with 12 carries. Chip Trainum was second with eight carries, and Mayan Williams had seven carries. And then in week two, Mayan Williams, Chip Train them both had six carries, and Trey Henderson only carried the ball five times for 56 yards. In a week where you might be able to establish the run and execute a little bit better and build some confidence for an offensive line, because as Justin Fry said on, on Wednesday night, they're not playing violent enough. They're not moving guys off of the ball. If you feel like you might be able to get a better push this week, for those three guys, if Ohio State runs it, let's just say they run it 30 times, how would you guys break down the usage of Trey Henderson, Mayan Williams, and Chip Trainum. Nathan, you go first. Well, I mean, there's just so many X factors in a game like this. It, 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 you know, how early does the score get out of hand and how long do they go? Because you, you've got so much depth there. The, the, the whole purpose is to get these guys to the end of the season. I, I don't think, I don't know that there's anything that Trevin Henderson, does he need to get 15 carries this week? The, the risk reward of that, if this game goes according to assumptions, is really not in Ohio State's favor because they need those carries later in the season. So I don't know. I mean, considering what Henderson touched the ball, like what, six times last week, six or seven. He got it five last week, just five, five runs. And then, uh, and then the one something out of the backfield, right? He had five runs and two catches, right? So seven. So I think with that little caveat being that they can supplement his, carries by giving him the ball the backfield in the air. I would say I'd still expect him to be under 10 touches. Around Andrew? 10 touches. Around 10 touches. 10, so 12 touches, maybe. So he's 10, 12, and then you'd say Chip and mine are maybe about 6 or 7. Something like that. Uh, Yeah, and then I think you'd get Dallin Hayden in the mix in a way that you didn't last week, too, probably. Andrew? I'm In, in terms of total touches you're talking, right? Not just carries? Yes. Yeah, with, with Trey, I'm I'm probably more towards 15 out of 30. I want to give him about half. Um, and, and then you can kind of split up the uh, the rest of the pie chart amongst the rest of the depth chart. Because, look, I understand that you want these guys to last to the end of the season. I don't think that that's necessarily like a high number. Next week against Notre Dame, you're, you're really kind of talking about ramping him up a little bit. You know, so and kind of, hey, look, you know, there's no there's no rest than anybody for this game. There's no, you know, hey, look, let's try and save this guy for Penn State. Like, you got to try and win that Notre Dame game. That's going to be a really tough game. So I think that this week you kind of use that as a tune up. You give him about half ish of the of the running back carries and then you split kind of that pie chart right down the middle with the other guys. And however you want to split that up. Now, obviously, this can change. Like Nathan was saying, if the score is unique, if Ohio State is up 35 to 10 you know, at the end of the second quarter and Trayvon Henderson has seven, eight touches. I'm not necessarily going to be like, well, you got to get him his touches in the second half. No, put him on his, put him on his butt on the bench and take his cleats off and give him a hot dog and a soda and tell him nice day. Like be done with it. You know, that's over. Um, so yeah, I, I think you, you use this as kind of like a, Hey, look now, this is, this is the, this, this is the dress rehearsal. I've said this before. This is the dress rehearsal. This is what some of the things are going to look like that we do next week against Notre Dame. And then next week you kind of pull no punches and then you get a bye week after that. 
And then if you need to sit some guys down, you know, get them off their feet, you're going to have that opportunity after Notre Dame. So I think that the bye week kind of makes sense. And I think this kind of makes sense is, is kind of the, uh, the exit ramp, if you will, to kind of speeding up things for Notre Dame. The Dallin Hayden part of this, Nathan, I think is pretty interesting. He doesn't have a carry yet. Javion Henderson has a game's worth, basically, of carries this year. 17 carries for 103 yards and two touchdowns. Chip Trainum, 14 carries for 77 yards, no touchdowns, along with a catch for 12 yards. Travion's got two catches for 18 yards. And then Mayan Williams, 13 runs, 50 yards, two catches for 39 yards. Dallin Hayden just has a catch that went backwards for two yards in the Indiana game. He didn't have a carry yet this year. And this is a guy who had 100-plus last year. I know we talked before the season, will he be over or under that 100-carry bar? But I think we were thinking that when he was third in the, in the pecking order here. So if you if he was still third, he would be well on his way. If he was chip train him, he'd be well on his way to maybe having 100-plus carries this year. And they just haven't used him. And Evan Pryor might just need to wait another year because the room is deep and we're just not sure where he's at physically right now. But the fact that Dallin Hayden hasn't been used at all, and they've been so spread out with the running back usage, I do wonder if this is a week where just Trayvon and Mayan just kind of chill out, right? Those two guys who do have an injury history, you chill them out and you just give the ball to Dallin Hayden and get him involved. I am wondering if we get to the end of Saturday, and maybe he's leading this team in, in carries simply because that's the guy they decide to use this week. And the other thing to remember is it, it, quarterback situation has made it very hard to get a read on like certain trends with this offense. Mm-hmm. That two-yard, no, negative two-yard reception came on Devin Brown's first completion. So he's in the game at the same time as the quarterback, who you'll call more designed runs, is in the game. Yeah. And now Devin Brown isn't going to play as much. And, and now it actually might be who he's still on the field with um, late in this game. But I think you're right that we were thinking along all this time that you had this tandem at the top, um, Henderson and Williams, kind of a 1A, 1B, or like a, a 1 and in close two situation. And we didn't get this, and nobody did really. Like they kept it pretty under wraps as far as how big of a role Chip Trainum was going to play once once the season started. Now it, it did reduce against Youngstown State compared to what it was against Indiana, but it it definitely seems you know he's obviously the number three guy, the, the third back that's going to get on the field. So I think if this game plays out the way the first two will, I think you're still going to see a very limited Dallin Hayden. If Ohio State just doesn't really put its foot on Western Kentucky's throat and run away with this you're probably not going to see a lot of Hayden. I think if they turn this into a true route and do it early, I think that's where you could get some extended run. Because again, it's not even just a long-term risk-reward thing that you start talking about with the running backs there. It's Ohio State saw too often last year what happened when they went into a big game with only one healthy top running back, let alone having multiple ones to pick from. Michigan, Georgia, Etc. You know, even even the Maryland game was affected by that. They've got to find a way to have the best running back room possible for Notre Dame, and I would expect that that might influence how they split it up against Western Kentucky. It might be a little bit more varied this week, and then coming back to a more direct approach, getting Trevor Henderson the ball a lot against Notre Dame. I wonder if we, if we could apply this to the wide receiver usage as well, because I think they went. Longer into that game with Marvin Harrison Jr. and Matt Kipical on the field than probably they wanted to. But the way the game played out, yeah. they ended up playing a normal game's worth of snaps. And they force-fed them early. I would assume that they maybe force-feed them early this week, too, to get them established. But I do think there's an opening here to get Julian Fleming and Carnell Tate. Carnell Tate has been playing, yes, but he hasn't necessarily been used a whole lot in the actual passing game. And I'm wondering if this is a week to maybe, especially those two guys, because it's very clear that they're both going to have roles to get those two guys a little bit more established. Some of that, I think, was a direct, and they don't do this all the time, but when the production was so low in that first game, they're cognizant of wanting their guys to have a chance to at least be recognized later in the year, and you don't want to give away two games to statistics. So I think some of that was maybe letting them out there and getting a couple more. It's just that the wear and tear, you worry about that less with receiver, you can control that a little bit more, whereas running back, it's it's just more of a, a, a grind, typically. So let's let's close out with this question right here, because then we'll take another break and we'll come back. I'll kick you guys off again and go to tissue. This this was left over from the rapid fire from the Thursday pod, but I wanted to use it on the Friday pod because it probably made more sense here from the six one four. What should we consider success against Western Kentucky's high powered offense for the defense? And then we can flip that too and make have a, 
for the defense as well. But let's start with what would we consider success for the defense on Saturday? I think it's just it's the explosives. I mean, that's the way I'm looking at it. That, that that's still my big question about this defense. Like, prove to me that you have put that uh, vulnerability behind you. And I don't know that we can say for sure that that's happened based on the first two weeks. We have definite signs that a lot of individual things are better than they were last week. But so, so last season, as I mentioned before, the 20 yard plays that led the nation third and 30 plus ninth and 20 plus. So now it dwindles as you get farther down. They weren't necessarily a team that would go 60, 70 on you a whole bunch of times, but not completely explosive, but they will just chunk you out repeatedly. And so I think the success for Ohio State is tightening up and limiting those 20-plus plays. They've only allowed two in two games. And I think if you hold Western Kentucky, I mean, let's just go by the Jim Knowles standard, like five or fewer explosives against an mm-hmm. offense that is this um, crisp and this well-schemed and this designed to catch you off balance at least every once in a while and, and be able to gouge you a little bit. I think if they hold them to four or five and there's no explosive TDs, I think Ohio State wins this game by a whole bunch of points. Yeah, I I, want to say the explosives as well because I I think that that's the number one key because I think somebody – I believe it was Tim May he asked – or maybe it was Doug. I forget. Somebody asked Ryan about like the line between – like when you're on offense, efficiency and explosive plays and and where does that That kind of – that's a that's a good point because there are teams that are more boomer bust and Notre Dame is not one of those teams. And forgive me for continually mentioning them, but this is what the month of September has been leading to, right? Like this is what everything has been this all roads lead to South Bend. And Notre Dame is going is, Notre Dame just can't beat you over the top. They just don't have enough talent outside. So, you have got to make sure that you can defend those big plays, because if you can defend those big plays, we'll see how you do next week against those, um, you know, against those quick hitters against the run game. Those things we're going to see, you've got to see how this defense reacts to when it, when an offense that is going to go four wide and that can really go four wide tries to beat you over the top, because that is what Western Kentucky does really well. They'll, they'll run those RPOs. They'll run those slants. They'll run those bubble screens. They'll run those click slants. And then boom, it's, right over the top, 45 yards, and then all of a sudden you're on your own side of the field and you're wondering what the heck just happened. So, yeah, it, it's a really it's a, it's a really fine line between wanting to, especially against a team like this, that will kind of, like I mentioned before, lull you to sleep a little bit and then take their shot. Because what does Notre Dame do, or what is Notre Dame's quarterback, what is his history? At Wake Forest, all they did was run those RB. You know, you think Notre Dame's not going to watch this game, and if Ohio State can't, can't Ohio State can't cover explosive plays, you don't think Notre Dame's going to look at that and say Ohio State can't defend the read option and or the run pass option? And when they when they didn't, they got burned over the top. So you've got to prevent the big plays. You've got to prevent the chunk plays because yeah, the Georgia game, yeah, the Michigan game. Yeah, the defense last year. I understand that. This is a new defense. I understand that there's a new, the same coordinator. And I understand there's a lot of the same personnel. But it's a new year. It's a new theme. And you've got you've got to prove that you can stop that because next week you're going to have kind of the more efficiency model. And this week, yeah, you're going to get that. But they are going to sprinkle in those deep shots. They are going to try and sprinkle in those chunk plays. And the time is coming to where you're going to play teams like a Penn State who – has a pretty good quarterback and you're going to play teams like Michigan who might have the best quarterback in the big 10. And those teams are not going to be afraid to throw the ball. So now is when you've got to start working on those things, especially against a team like this. This is a nice little stress test. I think so. Yeah. It's the, it's the explosive place for sure. I think for me, it's we've spent a lot of time this week talking about the offense and their struggles on third down. The defense hasn't been great either on third down. They're only they're at the bottom half of the big 10 and getting off the field on third down, which I thought of the things that really improved with Jim Knowles showing up. Just I'm just going to give you the numbers of Ryan Day's defenses as he took over as head as head coach. In 2019, Ohio State got the conversion rate was 29.13% on third down for the defense. And then in 2020, that was second in the Big 10. And then in 2020 they went to fourth in the Big 10 at 37.14% conversion rate on defense. 2021 where everything just kind of fell off a cliff. 42.08% conversion rate for other offenses against Ohio State's defense on third down. 
Jim Knowles shows up in 2022. They shoot right back up to second in the Big Ten, right behind Minnesota, 29.95% conversion rate for their offenses. So far this year, they're 11th in the Big Ten at 40% conversion rate by other teams. Western Kentucky is really the Conference USA in general is just not good at extending drives when they get the third down. Last year, they were 41.49%. This year so far, they are middle of the road again in the in the Conference USA, 42.31% conversion rate. So this is the type of game where I just think I want to see the defense get off the field because Western Kentucky doesn't want to get the third down because they're probably not going to convert it. I, this is where Ohio State can kind of bring its numbers back to the mean a little bit because Indiana and Youngstown State ran offenses in a certain way that they just weren't getting off the field. And to an extent that attributed to why Ohio State got less plays. But if Ohio State wants more plays on offense, it starts with executing on offense. But also, can the defense just get off the field and not let drives be extended? Can it get to a third and long situation and then not give up a 36-yard pass that sets up a touchdown? So I think of all the things, those third and long situations for that defense, can they just get off the field with Jordan Hancock in the nickel situation, Denzel Burke, Davis, and Igbenosin outside, uh, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor, who is expected to be back this week at the safety spots, and you sprinkle in Sonny Styles as well. So let's flip it. Andrew, you can go first for the for the offense. What would make this a successful day against Western Kentucky? I think the easy answer is third and short and those kind of situations, but I'm actually going to go with the offensive line because, once again, bigger tests are on the horizon. Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame, Wisconsin. Like This is this is the kind of – I mean, we talked about the run-up with the quarterback. We talked about the run-up with a lot of these other positions. This is it for the offensive line. You've, you've played two games, and you know I sent out a text this morning. I mentioned after the Indiana game that, hey, look, looked like a lot of mental mistakes. And Ryan Day kind of said that. I think he exactly said that at the following Tuesday press conference where he's like, look, guys weren't getting beat physically. You know, it wasn't one of those things. And then against Youngstown State, you look at it, uh, a lot of penalties, a lot of this, a lot of that, you know, hand things. And those things can be coached out. And then Justin Fry says, we got to be more violent. We got to be more physical. We've got to finish our blocks. And that's not a good thing to hear from the offensive line coach. That's not what you want to hear. You know, you it's one of those things where it's like you would almost rather have your offensive line be too physical and too violent and have to rein them in than try and motivate them and get them physical to get them finishing blocks and to get them to that level. Because, yeah, you're working in some new guys. There's going to be some errors there. Yeah, you lost some, you know, two. You lost a first round tackle, and you know another NFL tackle who's you know performed pretty well through uh, apparent, you know, by all reports through the first couple of weeks. Yeah, that. All right, sure. It, it's really hard to maintain that level of consistency, and not only that, you know, build upon it from year to year. I get that. The problem is now you are at a point where the coach had not called them out, but the coach has said we need more from them in the physicality department. We need them to be more violent. And you're through two games of this season. You're about to be three out of 12. You're about to be 25% through the regular season after Saturday. It, it, it sounds crazy, but that's where you're at. So you've got to start to figure out some answers along your offensive line. And that was why I said in our game day predictions, you know, not to give the whole thing away, I said, you've got to figure this thing out sooner rather than later. So if you've got to make some changes, eventually you're going to have to start to do that if guys aren't getting the job done. So I'm going to be really curious how the offensive line looks. Are there penalties? Can they run the ball effectively? Can they do, can they, I mean, the, the pass blocking has seemed fine, but can you run the ball effectively? Can you avoid the penalties? Can you just avoid the mental mistakes and finish your blocks to the level where the Ohio State running game can really get going? So, Nathan, I, I don't think Andrew's wrong. I think that's a very valid point, and this is the type of game where you can do that. I didn't think that, though, just because they can do all of that this week, and it doesn't change my opinion, and it doesn't change my level of concern, because I'm just going to say, whether it's fair or not, oh, you, Western Kentucky, you're supposed to do that. They've been giving this up to people all year. They're coming off of a week one where they gave up almost 400 rushing yards. Of course they gave up all these rushing yards to Ohio State. I think, for me, what would be a bigger success is just – seeing the offense take that step now that it is firmly in Kyle McCord's hands. And Emeka Bukum alluded to this so much on Wednesday. He was talking about how 
the benefits of being able to lock in on one guy and not having to, you know, split reps between two different guys. You can lock in and get more, especially since during the week, he said, you're not getting that many reps anyway. So when you're splitting that in half, it makes it even more difficult. So if Kyle McCord has gotten 90% of the first team reps and they're now building this offense around his skill set, I'm wondering what that looks like on Saturday when you're looking for that next step, almost similar to the C.J. Stroud-Rutgers game in 2021 when he came back for that injury. And then it's, it was almost his runway of where he launched off into his Heisman Trophy campaign because, like, oh, okay, that's the C.J. Stroud. That's why they picked him as a starting quarterback, and he never looked back from that situation. And I'm wondering if that can happen for Kyle McCord this week now that the offense is firmly his. Yeah, I, I think that that is an important thing is to, do we see a different vibe a little bit um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's sort of a, uh, it's along the lines of what Andrew's asking for, just from a different part of the field, right? It's just, it's, I don't understand. They won't like answer questions about the offensive line, but if you see a progression, because that's, what's going to have to happen. I don't think this is going to be, uh, it's going to go, not going to go from zero to 60 overnight or whatever. That's a bad analogy. It doesn't take that long for a car to go from zero. to 60. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? This thing isn't going to go from questionable to unquestionably elite overnight there's going to have to be a progression that continues. And in some ways they're going to have to win through that progression. They're going to have to win in spite of that progression ongoing in a place like Notre Dame. So I think taking the next step towards that is, is important. And the thing I was going to pick is maybe it's a cousin of what Andrew's saying, but I want to see some more explosiveness from the run game or maybe some more consistent explosiveness from the run game. And the first step obviously will just be kind of them imposing their will a little bit up front. But I, I think back to 2019 and what we sort of thought maybe this offense could trend towards that model a little bit or like a poor man's version of that because we don't know for sure if Comacord does everything that Justin Fields does and we don't know for sure I, it, you can compare Trevian Henderson to J.K. Dobbins and we certainly can't compare this offensive line to that offensive line. But you start seeing them like really open up some pathways and you start seeing running backs who really hit that downhill and are gone before you know it and really break off some big things. I, I think there's more that this offense can accomplish on the ground in between the tackles. I said that after rewatching the game last week, I think they need to work that area of the field more. I think they need to try it more. There's, they do so much to the outside and it's a lot of opponents at this level aren't going to be able to, you know, match you on the outside. You should be able to beat them outside, but we all remember the, whatever the Wyatt Davis, uh, Josh Myers motorway or whatever we called it, the expressway <laughs> where, you know, they would clear a path. And next thing you knew that like JK Dobbins was behind linebackers before they knew it was going on. And then you're off to the races like there. I think that especially playing this level opponent, I think that sort of production is possible for this running game. But the first step is what Andrew's talking about, which is this running game just needs to go out and exert its will a little bit more with the offensive line. Like they are, the, you know, Justin Fry brought up a good point in those third and short situations. Like it's not five on five. It's, you know, they're adding guys to the box. So Ohio State's adding guys to the to its front, whether that's an extra tight end, whether that's chip training. Like now you're start talking about six, seven, eight guys going head to head in closed space. I get it. But the foundation of all that is the offensive line, obviously. And he's not shying away from that either. Like they've got to block better. I think if they do block better, if he's right, that they're blocking the right people. If they do it better, then I think you're going to see a, maybe a couple more game breakers sprinkled in a game like this. So we're going to take another break here. And then I'm going to, you know, boot Nathan and Andrew off the pot like I always do. And it's it's time for T-Shoe to sign. It's time for him to teach us some more. T-Shoe knows what he's talking about. So stay tuned for that part because I think T-Shoe is really good at this stuff. A lot better than any of us three are. That's what we'll do when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Nathan and Andrew are gone per usual on the Friday pod. I'm joined by Tyler Shoemaker, who is going to once again educate me on the betting lines. Andrew, we're two weeks into this now, and I joked about this with Nathan and Andrew that we have real data points. You know, you're not talking about theory. Indiana was hard because they had 70 million transfers. Youngstown State's an FCS game, so how else they can kind of pick and score in that situation this is they can probably pick their score here, but at least now we have some understanding of what maybe to expect early on in the season for Ohio State. So there was a place you there was a way you thought about Ohio State coming into the season. And a lot of that is reputation, what they have coming back. How much of that has changed after the first two weeks of the year? Yeah, that's a good question. So Ohio State's power rating has decreased from twenty eight point one to twenty one point six. So a six and a half point 
downgrade in their power rating just through two weeks. And, you know, some of that is now I've got my FCS ratings like we talked about last week. So I'm able to properly quantify that performance against Youngstown State. Um, mm-hmm. And then obviously the, the offense has, has taken a dip in terms of its its grades. Um, I've got the game grades here, which is basically, you know, my rating for how many points above or below FBS average was your performance. And I do that for both sides of the ball. So mm-hmm. Ohio State's uh, offensive grade against Indiana was minus 5.3. I went back and looked. Mm-hmm. That's only one and a half points worse than the Northwestern game from last year that was like in a hurricane. So to put that into perspective, how bad the offensive performance was uh, on paper in, in the Indiana game, it was almost as bad as the Northwestern game. Uh, oh. the, the defense, though, has been has been great. The defense had a 16, you know, positive 16 rating in the Indiana game. And then in the Youngstown State game, the offense, again, barely above FBS average at 0.7, but the defense 12.6. So the defense is really saving the power rating. Like if the defense had the same rating from last year. I mean, Ohio State, I've got them number seven now overall. They would be well outside the top 10 for sure. I think from those numbers, you hear them and you hear Northwestern game and you go, oh no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was bad. And, and so you think about that and you go, oh my, is this offense in trouble? Maybe Kyle McCord or Devin Brown's not that well off. But all the weapons are still back, and that's two games into the Kyle McCord sample size where now we're expecting him against Western Kentucky to get the full line share of meaningful snaps instead of having to share them with somebody. When you look at those stats as someone who also watches college, uh, college football in Ohio State specifically, is it a good thing that we're two weeks into things and the problem is the thing that we think is the best thing for about Ohio State? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I, I was actually texting with Nathan about this earlier today because yeah. he was kind of asking about about my numbers. And he was like, you know, TSI is kind of looking sideways at Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that that is true. But I, I do think, to your point, I do expect that to get back on track. Now, I, I told him, I think, had Kyle McCord played every snap of the season so far, I think Ohio State's power rating and their offensive rating would be much, much higher because they, they just looked – and performed so much better with him at the helm. So I think mm-hmm. now that he's settled in as the, the starter, doesn't have to look over his shoulder, and is going to play the majority of the snaps, I do expect the offensive rating and then therefore the overall power rating to increase for them here as the season goes on. So that's a, a long view. But what does this mean for this week where we're two weeks into this? Ohio State has yet to cover against teams where you thought that they would run up the score a little bit. How is it impacting the way you're viewing another game like this where the line is 29 at this point, as we're recording, this is 29, where Ohio State's favorite without that many points. How is that impacting how you're viewing week three for the Buckeyes? Yeah, so I, I project this game minus 27 for Ohio State, okay. which is about where it opened. Uh, like you said, it's been bet up to, to 29, 29 and a half at some places. So I do agree with the move here that, you know, even though my number was was pretty much right on line with the opener, I do agree with the move here in Ohio State's favor because of what we just talked about. I do think... Ohio, I, I think Ohio State's numbers to date are not going to be what they are necessarily moving forward now that Kyle McCord is the full-time guy. So I do think I would give a little more um, benefit of the doubt here to Ohio State in this spot. I guess that's a good thing for Ohio State fans. that It hasn't moved that much. But is, is Ohio State, maybe this is a question we can ask every year, has Ohio State reached a point where early in this season they're almost a stay away from them? type of bet until we figure out what exactly they are after the Notre Dame game. I think this year, you know, breaking in a new quarter, a new quarterback, and especially given that they didn't, you know, it's not like 2021 where it was like, okay, we know CJ Stroud is going to be the guy. It may take him a little while to get going, but he's the guy. He wasn't really looking over his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Whereas this year you had, you knew it was going to be a new guy, but you didn't know which new guy. And I think that mm-hmm. contributed a lot to it. Um, like I said, I, I started Ohio state with, uh, started the season with my number one projected offense that has dropped to number 10. However, the defense was like barely in the top 20 or top 25. And now that's yeah. up to number seven. So I do think to your point, I, I think I would stay away uh, from the, from the side here in this game until we get a better handle on them, maybe after next week. Um, but I, I do expect their numbers to kind of normalize. And I, I think the numbers will have a much, much better handle on them here in, in a week or two. Are there any good bets from Ohio State this weekend that come out with an opponent like Western Kentucky the way they like to chuck it around? Yeah, I honestly, you know, sometimes in games like this where it's against, you know, kind of a no-name team, I think Ohio State kind of gets inflated a little bit. Mm -hmm. I actually think I, 
at least from what I've seen in the the media and, and on Twitter and stuff, like I think people are almost giving too much respect to Western Kentucky at this point. Like I think it, <laughs> I think it's gone the other way where like I think I think some media people may have fans like, oh my God, are we gonna maybe lose to Western Kentucky or you know, is this gonna be a one score game? And I don't think that's gonna be the case at all. In fact, it my my Ohio State bet for this week, or I, I'm actually gonna give out two here, but one of my Ohio State bets for this week would be to take the Western Kentucky team total under 17 and a half. Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you find it at 17, I would probably still take it. Uh, obviously don't like it as much uh, getting the, if you can't get the 17 and a half, but I think the defense is going to suffocate them. I think Denzel Burke and the corners have been excellent, albeit against not nearly as good passing attacks as, as Western Kentucky has. But like I said, I, I think it's been a little bit overblown at this point. If Western Kentucky is able to sling it all over Ohio State and put points on the board, I will be surprised. I I think I think they're going to score fourteen or less in this game, so I would take the Western Kentucky team total under seventeen or better. Well, well, obviously Nathan, myself, and Andrew will be giving our game picks on this pod shortly here. But what's your game pick for this one? You're saying under fourteen points here. Yeah, my my technical projection is forty-two to fifteen, which mm-hmm. you know that in the way football scored it, it's more likely to be like 42 to 14. So that's why I, I think either way, I think you're safe getting that 17 and a half in particular. I just, I don't think they're going to be able to score on Ohio state's defense. I think, I think this will be a good opportunity for the defensive line to kind of get loose a little bit. I know they get uh, they Western Kentucky gets the ball out quickly, but I do think, you know, Eichenberg and chambers running those guys down on those quick passes. I, I think, I think the secondary is going to be up to the challenge as well. So I, I just can't imagine Western Kentucky actually puts many points on the board this week. It's interesting. Betting Ohio State right now is almost a – maybe this is fair, maybe it's not. It's almost press pause. And so we have yep. enough data points to make you say press pause and not enough data points to actually provide a true enough answer yet. And that's just uh, – in the, the, there's context around that, just like there was context around why the Northwestern game was so bad, as we usually do any other – non-Ohio State-related things that are maybe good bets that people should be paying attention to this week. Yeah, so I do have one more, one Ohio State prop that kind of jumped out to me. You can get Marvin Harrison Jr. over 99.5 receiving yards at minus 114 odds. Um, I I think if last week was any indication, Mm -hmm. Brian Day and Kyle McCord want to feed him, Western Kentucky's not going to be able to to slow him down at all. If he doesn't get 100 yards, I will be shocked. So I, I think I would take... MHJ over 99 and a half receiving yards uh, at minus 114 odds. I, I think that's a good bet. And then, you know, around the country, a couple of bets that I like that I want to give out here. Uh, Florida Atlantic plays at Clemson. Uh, Clemson's currently a 25 point favorite. I would take that. I would take FAU plus 25. I would play that down to FAU plus 24. Uh, from what we've seen from Clemson, and again, they played an FCS team last week, so I think a lot of people are just like, oh, whatever, They, it's Charleston Southern. But again, I'm able to quantify that, and I'm telling you, that performance was abysmal. It was it was not good at all. Their offense is not good. And the, the, the thing that surprises me is their defense. They give up 14 first-half points to Charleston Southern last week. Yeah. So I, I think FAU is going to be able to play it close. FAU is a team that, that's generally pretty – Low scoring, slow. They they try to keep the games, you know, low lower scoring. So to get twenty five points against a bad offense like that, I'll take FAU. Uh, and then one other game is uh, Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati opened as a seventeen point favorite against Miami of Ohio. That's been bet down to Cincinnati minus fourteen. I really like Cincinnati minus fourteen here. I would be patient though. I think you might end up being able to get 13 and a half. And if you can get 13 and a half, I, I love that play. Um, my, my numbers make that more like 19. So uh, I I don't agree with the line move and I would take uh, the Bearcats minus 14 against Miami. TCU always providing the insight, always providing the goods. Once again, I'm learning something every single week. When we come back here from the break, Nathan, myself, and Andrew will give our picks and come back here on Buckeye Talk. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Steven means Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis, and it's time to make our game picks. Ohio State is favored by 29 points against Western Kentucky on Saturday. The game kicks off at 4 o'clock with the over being 64, over under being 64, excuse me. Andrew, give us your game pick. During one of the breaks, uh, we were all talking about how Steven is cat-sitting, and he's currently by a train station. I currently live by a train station, and they make a lot of noise, and that's because the Kyle McCord hype train is about to go off the rails. Ohio State's going to win 52-21. to 21. 
Kyle McCord is going to look really good on Saturday. That is my, you know, I, 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 it's not my outrageous prediction. It would have been if uh, two people who shall remain nameless didn't <laughs> take it before. Um, I think with the amount of plays that you're going to run this week, Ohio State threw 33 passes last week, right? So 33 passes, let's, I mean, let's just say all of them go to McCord. Well, they ran 27, or they had 27 run plays. So 27 run plays, I don't know, you add 20 more plays, maybe 15, 20 more plays to this game plan. Like you can establish the run. You can get up to 40 rushes and then get McCord near 40 passes. Near 40 passes, like come McCord last week, 14 to 20, 258 and three touchdowns, 12.9 yards on average per completion. Like that's really good. And, and I just think that with this type of offense, with this defense, with this situation of getting more plays, getting more reps, McCord's going to be more comfortable. He's going to have, you know, he he's going to have the comfortability kind of growing from week to week. I think that, you know, there's going to be a lot of people out there who's who maybe looked at the Indiana game and said, I can't believe we're not seeing Devin Brown. I think they might be a little upset that, or I think they might be a little, you know, a little quieter this week. I, I think that uh, Kyle McCord is going to play really well. I think this offense is really going to show some things. Um, you know, I mentioned this is kind of the, the dress rehearsal for a Notre Dame game. Um, you know, it's not, it's not to the level of a Michigan game, obviously, where you look at the, the, the betting lines the week before and like never do Ohio state or Michigan cover in the game the week before. Um, I think this is, this obviously, obviously has a very different tone. So I think Ohio state is going to cover. Uh, I think we're going over on the over under just because these teams, I think Ohio state's going to improve offensively to a point where, you know, their efficiency will be better. And I just also think that there's going to be more plays and more possessions and more drives and all those things like that. So yeah, Ohio state's going to win. I I think fairly comfortably. I I think that they're going to jump on them early. And I think you're really going to start to see some true signs of improvement from this offense. The offensive line, I still have questions about, Uh, I don't know if that's going to be one of the areas. But I think specifically with quarterback, with the run game, um, you know, with the secondary, I, I think you're going to see some strong things. So Ohio State, 52-21. You're taking them the cover and you're taking the over. Ohio State hasn't covered yet this year, but you're taking them the cover. And, they, and so am I. I'm also taking them the cover. Ohio State, 52. Western Kentucky, 19. Western Kentucky is going to move the ball. And I think defensively it might play out similarly to what we saw last week where – Western Kentucky on one of those first two or three drives gets into the end zone, and then the Ohio State cleans some things up. But Western Kentucky's better than Youngstown State is offensively, so they might move the ball again on a couple more drives, but it ends in field goals instead of touchdowns. So that's one touchdown, but then a bunch of field goals throughout the game for Western Kentucky. While I'm with you, Andrew, I think Ohio State's just going to put up points. We have we've seen bits and pieces of the explosive Ohio State offense, but we haven't seen the full totality of it for. I don't think we're going to get it for 60 minutes because if they're waiting 52 to 19, then they're probably just running the clock out in the fourth quarter. But for 45 minutes, can we see explosive Ohio State football on offense with Kyle McCord as your surefire starter? He's not sharing it with Devin Brown. And the run game maybe gets going a little bit more, but also just getting Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka involved early and maybe getting Julian Fleming and Cardinal Tate a little bit more involved than they have in the first two weeks. So I'm taking 52 to 19. That is Ohio State also covering, and that's also taking the over. Nathan, are you going to join us? Well, I, I painted myself in the corner when my outrageous prediction was Kama Cords throwing for seven yeah. or six touchdowns. So I had to go to at least 42 points. I ended up going 49 to 14. So I'm in the same neighborhood as you guys. I'm going under that total just barely, uh, but easily covering the 29. And as I'm pretty sure you just talked to Tissue about, and if you didn't talk to him about it, no, I'm telling you this now, and maybe you can ask him about it. Uh, <laughs> it, it we, I was having a conversation with him today about where Ohio State is in his power rankings right now and how these first two games have thrown his numbers off a little bit. And now they have sort of slipped from the, the most elite tier in terms of offense. But the defense is rising. The defense is up in the top 10. And that's what I think is maybe going to carry this day as far as betting. I think that I, as good as Western Kentucky is at its level of slinging the ball around, I think they're about to just face a completely different level of defense, a different level of coordinator, a different level of also maybe some determination this week. This is still a defense that's playing 
with a chip on its shoulder and probably will be all season because it knows that people say last year, if it wasn't for this defense, Ohio State might have been a national champion. And they've got something to answer for this year. And this is just another week to do that against the biggest threat that they've had so far. So I expect Ohio State to score a ton of points. I don't think that's going to be really in question, uh, but I don't think it's going to resemble anything close to a shootout. And, you know, Ohio State's allowed two scoring drives in two games so far, a touchdown and a field goal. And I think allowing two in this game is uh, about my cap. I guess I could see them maybe adding on a field goal or something if, if Western Kentucky could. But um, I think that this offense, the, the thing that we always forget with Ohio State is when the offense gets in one of these games where it just rolls. Think of like 2021 Michigan State. And there's other examples. Um you know, Purdue from that same season. Like when this offense really clicks in and rolls, it puts so much pressure on the other offense. Like forget what it's doing to a team's defense. Now that other offense goes out there with the knowledge that it can't punt. Like it has to score every time it touches the ball at some point. And that's just, that's a lot. That's a, that's a high burden. So I'm saying 49, 14 covering the 29, but coming in under the over under. And we have talked about that a lot, that sometimes Ohio State's best defense is just our offense and then challenging someone to keep up with them. So I'm with you there. So like you said, 49-14, taking the cover, but taking the under. Those are our game picks for Ohio State's 4 p.m. kickoff on Fox against Western Kentucky. And what is the last in this quote-unquote preseason schedule that Ohio State has used here before they get into the Notre Game next week? Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. All information, whether it's on game day, whether it's at press conferences, whether it's talking to recruits, goes to your phone first before you do anything else with it. So sign up for the text, two-week free trial. This is a great time to get in for it. And then find, listen to Buckeye Talk wherever you find podcasts. So that'll do it. Ohio State versus Western Kentucky on sa- on Saturday. Like I just said, the last of this preseason schedule. Maybe we, we get to see what the real Kyle McCord Ohio State offense looks like. Maybe we see the, the offensive line take some strides. We saw the defense take a couple of strides the first two weeks, but this is the first time this season that the secondary is very much going to be challenged in the way that we can come out of it thinking – is this secondary real or not as they get into you know talent-equated opponents a week from now with Notre Dame and then after the bye week? So for Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk.